0: quite sure, but that kind of looked like Adidas. But uh, anyway, if you have your copy of God's Word, turn with me over to the book of Jonah. That ought to just easily, naturally open uh, by now. Uh, We're not going to be in it next week uh, or the week after, but we will have one more message, uh, Lord willing, here in the book of Jonah. So I hope you have enjoyed it, as I have. I love these Old Testament books, and um, it had to just preparing for this message today, I started thinking, gosh, there's another minor prophet book that's got a major message I just would love. There's just not enough Sundays. Yeah, thank you, Todd. I really appreciate that. The only one that seemed like he was excited to be in the preaching moment of God's Word. But anyway, I'm, I'm just joking. But um, read if you haven't. I'm If I don't forget about it, I'm going to mention it today uh, in my message. But if you haven't read it, lately. Read the book of Hosea one more time. And it reminds us of the faithfulness of our God. He is a faithful, faithful God. And I think that would just uh, bless your heart. We're continuing our series today and we're in Jonah chapter 4. We've been talking about the whole book is just one of of grace. But uh, today as you see on the screen, we're going to be talking about the danger of what? Unjustified anger. So you can't leave, we've locked the doors, you got to be in here, you just can't get out of your seat and leave, because we're going to talk about something that yeah, you may not want to talk about, and that's the danger of unjustified anger. Anger in and of itself isn't all bad, uh, but if you're like me, every now and then we kind of struggle with our anger, right? Don't leave me hanging here, we all, I think, every now and then struggle with our, ah, thank you, a little bit more, yeah, we struggle with our anger every now and then. Uh, Thomas Jefferson had this to say about people who struggle with anger. He says, if you ever get angry, count to four. (laughs) But if you get very angry, count to a hundred. Yeah, that's what Thomas Jefferson said. Old T.J. President Jefferson there. Uh, Then Mark Twain said this several, several, several years later. He said, when angry count to four, when very angry swear. And that's none of y'all, all all right? But that's just what Mark Twain said happened to say and i'm sure it resonated with the masses that don't find themselves in church that's not you guys Uh, i'm sure y'all would never ever do something like that uh, unless you say something like this baloney which is a hebrew word anyway uh, i heard about a man who once said this to his wife speaking about anger he he, he once said this about his relationship with his wife he says my wife and i promised we would never go to bed angry we haven't slept in the same bed for seven years (laughs) And then it reminds me of, um, of this classified ad that appeared some time ago, and here's how the ad read. Wedding dress for sale, never worn, will trade for Smith & Wesson. <laughs> anyway, now those are just stories, they're just illustrations, and uh, if you haven't figured out by now, I like to have fun in church. Now, there's a time to be serious, but, um, but one of the things I look forward to in heaven one day is hearing, is hearing and seeing Jesus laugh. I mean, I really look forward to him and laughing. And I know there's pictures of Jesus in churches like ours, especially in, in classrooms um, of Jesus looking you know, really gaunt and thin with long hair, kind of like John's and stuff like that. My John, but um, but I really love the newest picture that I've seen painted. Of, now we don't know what he looked like. Now he he looked like you know somebody that was Jewish, right? Because that was his, his culture. But um, and so if you were to go to Israel today and And you see a a Jewish person, that's pretty much what Jesus probably looked like because he was Jew. But um, I love the newest picture that somebody, a little girl, I think, drew drew this several years ago. And it's of Jesus smiling. And that's how I think of Jesus probably more than anything. And I look forward to one day just hearing him laugh and and seeing him laugh. And and I think in, in churches today, the perception of people outside the church is that they know what we're against rather than what we're for. And they think that we're just nothing but sour and dour people. Well, you know, I, we need some happy in this world. Y'all agree with that? And I, and I hope when people think of those of you that come to our church family, they, they think, you know, those people love Jesus and they love people. Uh, they may not agree with our ideologies or this, that, or the other, but they, they truly love us and have our best interests at heart. Um, and and they're, they're happy. And we really need some happy in our world today. And I say all that to say this, if we're not careful we could su- succumb to, to anger. And anger can be unjustified at that. I once read how um, evangelist D.L. Moody, and D.L. Moody was um, the Billy Graham of the 18th century. And I heard how D.L. Moody, or 19th century, so 1800s, he, he struggled, and this is an evangelist now. He struggled with his anger. And every now and then he would give in to his temper. Y'all ever struggle with that? None of y'all do. I know, know y'all don't. But, but, but Moody was able to control his temper most of the time. And there was one night he was given, um, he had two evangelistic services back to back. He just finished the first one. And it was a great service. And right before the second one started, he was in the foyer of the building or the lobby of the building. He was welcoming people into the new service. When the fellow that was in the first service came up to him and just said something that we don't know to this day what he said. But whatever he said, he pushed the buttons. Y'all know how you can push certain people's buttons? All right, if you have kids, kids your, your siblings know how to push other siblings' buttons, right? Well, whoever this fellow was, he knew what button to push when it came to D.L. Moody, and D.L. And Moody reacted in, a, in, in, a, in just an anger. You say, what did he do? He, he was so livid. D.L. Moody now, a preacher! So, so angry and livid, he, he pushed this fella. Whatever insult he threw at D.L. Moody, had to be bad. And he pushed this fella away from him. And in doing so, this, this individual fell down a flight of stairs. Wow! A preacher did that! I don't need to smile. <laughs> but, but, but we're just like you, you know? A, a preacher just gave into his anger and his temper and pushed this individual. And the individual fell down a flight of stairs. And and we don't know if the individual got hurt or anything like that. We don't know how deep the stairway was. But the fact of the matter is that D.L. Moody gave in to his temper, lost his anger. All of us can identify with that. So people thought, man, this second service is going to be void of the spirit. People saw what happened. Listen to what one individual said. One observer said, when I saw Mr. Moody give way to his temper, I said to myself, the meeting is killed. In other words, the service is killed. The large number who has seen the whole thing will hardly be in a condition to be influenced by anything more Mr. Moody can say tonight. So then you would think, well, huh, that's how the service went. But when Moody got to the platform, he came with a trembling voice, very nervous. And this is what D. L. Moody said. He said, friends, before beginning tonight, I want to confess that I just yielded to my temper. Out there in the hallway, And I have done something very wrong. Just as I was coming in here tonight, I lost my temper with a man. And I want to confess my wrong before you all. And if that man is present tonight, I ask him for forgiveness. And I ask forgiveness of my God. He said that before the whole service began. And and I share that with you because if D.O. Moody can can stumble and fall to his temper and not be able to control his anger, we're all in the same boat. Every now and then, we all struggle with with anger, and maybe you struggled with it a whole lot more years ago than you do now, but we all still now, every now and then, struggle with anger. And if we aren't careful, friends, we can stumble when it comes to our anger. By the way, if you're wondering how the second service went with D.L. Moody, let me just um, give you a summary here. This is what somebody said. The service tonight was unusually touched with many people deeply and eternally impressed with the gospel. I don't think it would have been... As powerful if Dio Moody hadn't gotten back up there and apologized and just was totally transparent, saying, Hey, this is what happened, and I apologize to the individual, and I apologize more than anything to my Lord. And God just intervened in a, in a big way. But there again, if we aren't careful, we can stumble when we give in to our, our anger. And if we're not careful, our anger can keep us from serving the Lord. Y'all remember this old hymn that's in the Baptist hymnal Serve the Lord with gladness. Enter his courts with what? Praise, yeah, some of y'all remember that. So, if we stumble in our anger, if we're not careful, we can just risk losing the joy of serving the Lord. And there are people, I, I, I guarantee you, there's people you know, people in your family, people you might even be with today, <laughs> that every now and then struggle with their anger. And I've known people that harbor bitterness in their hearts because they've been angry in the past. And because they struggle with the anger in the past and they harbor bitterness over a particular individual or a situation in their life, they're miserable. Y'all, y'all like being around people like that? Man, I don't. But you know what? Golly, Moses, can I be transparent like Moody was? Every now and then I struggle with that. I don't even like being around myself sometimes when i struggle struggled with, with anger and feelings of anger and stuff like that. But, but if we're not careful, if we give in to anger, it can be our downfall, just like it was Jonah's. If you remember the video, that's how I imagined Jonah when he prayed to God. He's up there just giving God a thing or two. I'm telling you what, if I was God, I would wipe him out. Anyway, I love y'all. So look with me in Jonah chapter, um, chapter 4. And, uh, and it's a good time for me to say this. If you have a smartphone... Um, Next week, I would before next Sunday, download something called the U Version Bible app. U uh, Version Bible app. We can help you find that. We'll have some instructions printed in the bulletin for you next week. But it's a way that you'll be able to follow along with my notes, um, whether you write them down on the screens when they appear on the screen or not. But it'd be a way for you to follow along with our notes. We've got a church account there now. We've got a church page there. You can Google Shoreall First Baptist Church, and and it'll take you to the our page on the Uversion bible app you'll have my notes there you'll have bibles there you can use and it's just a really neat new tool we've got that we hope will be a blessing to you uh, as we study god's word together so jonah chapter 4 you got your bibles open amen all right so here's what i want to do i want to back up to chapter 3 verse 6 and let's read a little bit through chapter 4 here's what god's word says the word reached the king of nineveh And he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Now, remember, what happened prior to that was Jonah had just preached a message to them that they better repent. Judgment's coming. God's going to wipe you off the face of the earth. And they repented. (laughs) I mean, thousands upon thousands of people got right with the Lord, even the king. So look at verse 7. How they turned from their evil way. God, I love this word. God relented. Y'all see that? God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them. And he did not do it. Now we come to chapter 4. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was what, church? Angry. Furious. Ticked off. And he prayed to the Lord. Oh, Lord, is not this what I said, said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God, and you're merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Now, let's just keep on going, because, you know, pastoral privilege here. I want to do this. Jonah went out of the city, and he set to the east of the city, and he made a booth for himself there. So he's having a pity party. And he sat under it into the shade till he should see what would become of the city. So he's still thinking God's going to do something. And the Lord appointed a plant and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die. And he said it is better for me to die than to live but God said to Jonah and this is God just trying to talk sense but sometimes we can be so stubborn can't we so stiff-necked and God's just trying to talk some sense to Jonah he's like do you do well to be angry for the plant and man I can see myself in Jonah in his response he says yes I do well to be angry angry enough to die And the Lord said, you pitied the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 people? Now, I know how some people think. Really? 120,000 people? Hey, if God said it's 120,000 people, guess what? It's 120,000 people. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning lord i pray that i won't take anything away from what you want to accomplish through your word and through the teaching of your spirit today so speak to us now we pray in jesus name amen well we read in proverbs 29 11 these words i love proverbs the proverb of david keep the devil away that's what they say but i love this proverb proverb 29 11 it says a fool gives full vent to his anger But a wise man keeps himself under control. You like that verse, I I think, as much as I do. Let's say it together. Say it with me. A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. Anger in and of itself is not bad. I mean, it's not really bad in and of itself, but anger can be, oh, so destructive. But, but, But in and of itself, you know, anger is not necessarily sinful. Uh, rather, they say anger is an involuntary reaction to a displeasing situation or an event. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, duh. <laughs> but but that's how you define anger, an involuntary reaction to a displeasing situation or an event. And as long as our anger is limited to this involuntary initial emotion, that's well and good. But when we respond to that anger in a different way improperly if you will then it really becomes dangerous Hey, have you ever thought about this <laughs> anger is just one letter or one letter away from the word danger so it's really really important for us to control our anger but yet we see in scripture that there's been a number of people that we look up to that struggle or that you know had had justified anger not unjustified there's been some in scripture that had unjustified anger but there's been some people that we look up to in scripture that had justified anger, and God was one of them. Uh, we see in Scripture that God was angry with the, uh, with the wicked. Uh, we read in Psalm 7, verse 11, that God is angry with the wicked every day. That's Psalm 7, verse 11. Every day, the Bible tells us, that God is angry with the wicked. That's why he's going to be our avenger. Because God is angry with, with the wicked every day. And then we see that God was even angry with, uh, with the wisest man to ever live. Solomon, and we see over in First Kings eleven nine that that God became angry with Solomon, and here's why: because Solomon's heart has turned away from the Lord. So here's the thought: whenever we turn away from the Lord, who do you think's angry with us? But the Great I Am. If He was angry at Solomon because Solomon turned away, surely He can get angry with us whenever we turn away. Then we see that God was angry with Israel, His the chosen people, over in Second Kings seventeen verse eighteen. The Bible says that God was so angry with Israel that he just basically removed himself from their presence. Don't answer this, but has there ever been a time in your life when you felt like God just removed himself from your presence? I would submit this to you. We never want to be in a situation where we feel like God has removed himself from our presence. And then over in the New Testament, we see that Jesus was angry with the Pharisees. He, He was angry with the Pharisees, those church people. When the Pharisees got upset with Jesus because he healed a man that had a withered hand on the Sabbath day. Of all things, Jesus. You don't do that on the Sabbath day. Hey, he's Jesus. (laughs) Verse 5 of Mark 3 records for us that Jesus looked around at the Pharisees in anger and that he was deeply distressed over their, I like this, stubborn hearts. Stubborn hearts. So, in and of itself, anger is not simple. Y'all with me? But there's a danger to unjustified anger so here's some dangers to uh to us whenever we succumb to unjustified anger first of all anger can cause us to miss out on joy one of the things i loved about susan last week when she was here one great worship time over in the old sanctuary at the piano uh, she let us sing a song uh, that goes like this i've got joy 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 down in my heart where you know where down in my heart yeah thank you but yeah, I mean, we can if we give into our anger, we can miss out on joy. I mean, think about what Jonah had just experienced. He had just went through. He had just seen one of the most powerful revivals to ever take place upon the face of planet Earth here. And in Nineveh, you recall this great city was marked for destruction, but Jonah was given a simple and a very blunt message from God to take to the people of Nineveh. Now think about this. I, I, I probably elaborated on this too much, but y'all remember the old men's warehouse commercials? You're going to like the way you look, right? Nobody liked the way Jonah looked when he's delivering this message. He looked bad and he smelled bad. He had been in the belly of this great fish that God had appointed to save his wavered prophet. And the message that God had given him was 40 more days and you're going to be destroyed. Wiped off the face of the earth and he looked bad saying it. He smelled bad. He probably looked as worse as you can imagine a human person maybe even looking. But that was his message. 40 more days and you're going to be destroyed. Now, now, now you would think that any Christian would want to see a people get right with Jesus, right? I mean, I want, God to, I want God to save everybody. Not everybody's going to be saved. But he wants people to be in a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. So you would think any Christian wants to see other people get saved. You would think any believer would want that. You would think a prophet of God, of all people, would want to see people get right with the Lord. And certainly a man like Jonah. But Jonah's angry. And the Bible tells us he was greatly displeased. He was exceedingly angry. So he really is hot under the collar, if you will. And the reason he was so angry is that God didn't do what you said you were going to do, Lord. You said you were going to wipe him off the face of the earth. And and you didn't do that. So, yeah, I'm upset. So he's having a pity party. By the way, God's big enough to take our pity parties. So he's listening to Jonah here. And, and Jonah, maybe he's thinking this in his mind. Hey, I'm a prophet. My very reputation's at stake. If what I say is not going to take place, what are they going to think of me? Well, you know what? It's never about me. It's never about you. It's always about God. So, um, so Jonah's really struggling here. Jonah had just prophesied you're going to be destroyed, wiped off the face of the earth here. And yet, Lord, they repent. (laughs) They get right with you. Verse 5 tells us in chapter 3, just simply says that the people of Nineveh believed God and it was shown by their actions. If you remember me saying this little saying a couple of years ago, I learned it from Life Action Revival when some of their speakers came through and led us in a series of revival meetings. The proof is in the fruit and and they said they believe a lot of people say they believe but you never see any change in their actions obviously there is a change in the actions of the people of Nineveh here so instead of rejoicing that God had used him as his instrument man instead of rejoicing that God chose Jonah to be his instrument to speak the message that he had designed for the people of Nineveh to hear his anger burned because God Relented of the calamity he was going to throw to the Ninevites. And, and notice that Jonah didn't just keep his anger in check. He lost it. He lost, his, the, he lost the joy of serving God. And I think that's greatly illustrated. That we're in danger of missing out on joy that God has for us because he gives us abundant life in Christ, right? I think it's greatly illustrated in the New Testament story that Jesus told. The parable, the illustration that Jesus told of the, of the prodigal son which is probably my favorite biblical passage for some reason or another. That's always spoken to me. You remember the story, I'm sure, pretty well, but let me rehash it for you. The prodigal son, this boy, goes to his dad and says, hey, I want my share of the inheritance. And he takes his inheritance that his dad had provided for him, and he goes off to the far country. Where is it at? I don't know. It's the far country, all right? And he's in this far country, and he just spends it all, wasted it all, wastes years of his life through wild living. You say, how wild? Don't use your imagination. But it was wild living. But then he came to his senses. And he comes back home. And who does he find waiting on him? Looking on the horizon, every day was his father. That's my favorite part of the story. That every day the father didn't give up. Every day the father was anticipating, today's the day my son could come home. By the way, pastoral privilege again Going off track. If you have a wayward son or daughter or grandchild, come to me one on one and give me their name so that I can pray with you for them to come home. All right? Uh, It would be a privilege for me to do that. So the son comes to his senses, and his dad's so excited, he throws a party. Everybody likes parties, don't they? So he throws a party. and, and everybody you would think would be happy except the older brother, right? And the older brother is like Jonah here. He, he, he's angry. And the older brother held on to his anger so much so he missed out on the joy of his brother's return. Anger can cause us to do that. Hard feelings that we harbor can cause us to do that. So, so the, there's a good word over in James that goes this way. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, which comes easy for us southerners, right? Unless you're me publicly speaking and I know I talk fast. So you got to listen fast. But the Bible says, quick to listen, right? So we're being biblical. Slow to speak. Slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Let me give that to you all in one setting. And everyone should be quick to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. So there's a danger for me and for you. If we can't keep our anger in check, we can miss out on the joy of serving the Lord. Y'all with me? Say amen. amen. I know that's a lot. I'll go a little bit faster. Secondly, anger can cause us to turn from God. And one thing Jonah did when he was angry is what we ought to do whenever we happen to get angry as well, and that's to call out to God in prayer. Now, now Jonah is angry at God. And yet, he calls out to God in prayer. Verse 2 tells us he prayed to the Lord, but his prayer wasn't a prayer of praise, nor was his prayer a prayer of, uh, of thanksgiving either. I mean, his prayer is a complaint. That's why I say God's a big enough God. He can, he can listen to our little pity parties and complaints. And, and, and this was a bitter complaint that, that Jonah had. And Jonah here is just being a picture of indignant. He's being selfish. He's incensed. And he's basically saying, I told you so. Lord, I told you that if I go and I deliver this message, that this is what's going to happen. <laughs> so what we see in Scripture is he confesses the real reason he fled to Tarsus. He knew that God's a, a, a loving God, that he doesn't want anyone to perish but for all to have everlasting life. And he knew that God was going to, to restore them, that he was going to relent. So what we see here that Jonah does, this is so cool, in verses 2 and 3, he gives us an ancient creed of his people. Remember, his people is the Jewish people. And, and we see this creed of the Jewish people all throughout the Old Testament. We see it, for example, in Exodus 34, but it appears some 10 times in the Old Testament. And this, this, this ancient creed of the Hebrew people talked about five different characteristics of God. We see it over and over again, 10 times in the Old Testament. Uh, here's what we see. We see that God is gracious. He's a gracious God, isn't he? We see that God is gracious. That tells us this is God's attitude toward those who are undeserving. And you're looking at somebody that is undeserving of the grace of God. But how thankful I am, he's a gracious God. To me and to you as well. He's, he's a compassionate God as, uh, in, in addition to that. Uh, so the second characteristic of God in this ancient creed is that he's a compassionate God. He's loving. He's merciful. It's the type of love, moms, that you have for your children. Hopefully dads too. And then we see that God is patient here. We see this in verses 2 and 3, meaning that God is slow to become angry. Oh, do we need more people to be like God when it comes to that. We're slow to become angry. It means that he's long-suffering. Then we see that he's love. We like that characteristic about God, don't we? That his love is, is steadfast. It's bounty. It's a covenant love. That's why you ought to read Hosea. What a picture of a steadfast covenant love, right? Then we see that God is forgiving, and the Bible describes God as one who relents from sending calamity. Let me say that again. He relents from sending calamity. So God is a gracious God. He's a merciful God, and he responds in forgiveness to those who repent. So Jonah, of all people, ought to be rejoicing. He was God's mouthpiece, God's instrument, and thousands of people turned in faith to the Lord. He should have been on cloud nine. Man, I would have been. He should have been rejoicing. We all would have been, I think, right? But instead of embracing these characteristics of God on his own, he's, he's harboring bitterness. And that bitterness is turning into hatred. And he's being angry uh, uh, not towards Nineveh, the sworn enemy of Israel. He's angry with God. <laughs> Romans 8, verse 7 tells us this. It says, a sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's laws. Think about that, a sinful mind. Is hostile to God we're not to have a sinful mind right the Bible tells us we're to do this and this is also in Scripture 2nd Corinthians chapter 2 we're to have the mind of Christ not a sinful mind that's hostile to God we're to have the mind of Christ and, and, and Jonah yeah, yeah he may have obeyed God finally when he finally got out of that fish he finally obeyed God he went to Nineveh but he sure didn't have the mind of Christ Y'all with me so there's a danger we can miss out on joy there's a third danger as well, and that is that anger can cause us to act capriciously. You say, that's a big word. I thought it was too, but I liked it. Yeah. It basically means it can cause us to act on a whim. It can cause us to be uh, unpredictable, if you will. And we see a great example of that here in verse 3 when, when Jonah surely isn't thinking straight. But there again, he's just, he's venting towards God. God can handle it. But well, this, this is how people don't think straight sometimes, even when you're talking to God. He, he basically says here, Lord, just take my life. I've had it. I want out of the game. <laughs> Clear example, don't you think, of Jonah not thinking straight. He's, he's acting capriciously. He's acting on a whim here. He's letting his anger get the best of him. Y'all ever seen people that let anger get the best of them? Watch sports, you'll see it. Watch politics, and you'll see it. But, but he wasn't the first man of God not to think straight. Let me say that again. He wasn't the first man of God not to think straight. Because there's been a number of men of God, and I'm just going to name a couple of them in a, in a second or two, that let their anger get the best of them, and they didn't think straight. People like Elijah. You know, Elijah didn't think straight either. In fact, we read over in 1 Kings 19, he wished that he could die because he was scared of a woman. I'd be scared of her too if her name was Jezebel. I've, I've never would, I will never own a dog called a Doberman Pinscher. I've got horror stories as a kid from a Doberman Pinscher, two of them chasing me down Laurel Drive when I was on my bicycle, but I outran them. But I tell you that, they put enough fear of God in me that if I ever had a Doberman Pinscher, i will call her Jezebel. <laughs> Scare some other people. But he was scared of Jezebel. I would be too. Moses as well gave in to his anger. Numbers 11, he says, Lord... I want an early death. (laughs) Well, He was already old, but he's praying for an early death here. Y'all know why he was praying for an early death. It's because he was a leader of people. And sometimes being a leader of people, is ain't all that easy. Especially if you want to please everybody, which never happens. Mitch, ain't that right? That don't always happen. You can't please everybody. But most leaders that I know really want to. And I think I'm in that boat. And it just got him down low. Moses. Lord, just take me out. I'm ready. H.B. London calls certain people joy suckers because they suck the joy right out of people. H.B. London used to be a pastor for Focus on the Family. He was a pastor to pastors. I loved my first couple of years in ministry. Every month I got a CD from H.B. London that spoke about some particular issue that pastors face. He's in heaven now, but one of my heroes. So here's Jonah. And he's so angry at the turn of events that he wanted his very life to end. So disgusted with the outcome of his preaching. Let that sink in. So disgusted with the outcome of his preaching that so many people repented and got right with the Lord. That Jonah wanted to end it all. He's a prime example of how when we get angry, everything in life gets out of of perspective. Especially when we get angry with the Lord. And we just kind of say some stupid things and we do some foolish things. Proverbs tells us this. There again, another proverb. A quick-tempered man does foolish things. And there again, you want to speak Hebrew with me, and you say, duh. But yeah, a quick-tempered man does foolish things, and and he's very, very crafty. So in an attempt to get Jonah to realize his ungodly behavior, God asked Jonah this very penetrating question. Do you have any right to be angry? I don't know how God asked Jonah that, but I kind of think maybe that's how he asked it. Do you have any right, Jonah, to be angry? And if Jonah was truthful with God and thinking straight, he'd say, no. But he's not thinking straight. And he's just feeding the flame, feeding the flame. Uh, you probably have heard the names of uh, Gilbert and Sullivan. Uh, if you know music, uh, you know Gilbert and Sullivan. Uh, They produced some operas. It's not my thing, but 14 operas uh, from the time period 1871 to 1896. So they produced a a lot of music together, and their music was very, very popular. Uh, Gilbert would write the words. Sullivan would provide the music. So so they were musically a really good team. But a problem arose one day. They bought a theater together. And Sullivan uh, purchased some carpet. And when the bill came in and Gilbert saw the price of that carpet, he went livid. It's just carpet, but he went livid. <laughs> I could almost make a joke of how some churches get upset when you buy the wrong type of carpet. But anyway, I won't do that. We don't have carpet. <laughs> but he got really livid with the price of the carpet that Sullivan had bought. And neither of them could control their anger. And they gave in to their temple so much so that they took their matter to court. Do they ever make up? No. Nope. For the rest of their life, they never spoke to one another again. That's how angry they were over carpet and the price of carpet. So so Gilbert and Sullivan, here they are. They could make beautiful music together, but they sure couldn't live in harmony. And that's what could happen to us if we're not careful and we give in to our anger. So how do we get a grip on anger? All right. Y'all are itching for this, right? How do we get a grip on anger? Can I just go off on tangent again? I love Reese Witherspoon. She's one of my favorite actresses. And then in the movie Sweet Home Alabama, y'all probably have seen it. Don't act like you haven't. But in one of the scenes in Sweet Home Alabama, she confronts the mayor of New York City, who's Candace Bergman, right? And Candace Bergman talks out about Reese Witherspoon's mama, and Reese Witherspoon punches her, her character punches her. She says, don't you talk about my mama that way. Rescaped into her anger, she couldn't control it. So, how can we control our anger? All right. Well, here's it, it all goes with this acrostic. So let's so think of the word stop, and let's look at the first letter there, S. Step away from whatever situation you're in that's causing you to yield to your anger. Just remove yourself. If you're at home, go for a walk. Go to a different room. Just kind of step away from that situation. Don't give in to your anger because Satan, uh, he's looking for a way to get in. And you could use your anger to get into your home, and you don't want that to take place. If you aren't at home, just, you know, get in your car, go for a drive around the block. You may not want to get in your car if you have temper problems when you're behind the wheel. But just remove yourself from the situation. And then the letter T, take take several deep breaths. I'm looking forward to a deep breath. (laughs) Like, literally, in a few minutes. And, And I'm not trying to be mystical here, but studies have shown that if you take... Deep breaths, you know, fill your lungs with air, and exhale slowly. You're not being mystical or, you know, Eastern or anything like that. You're you're just basically doing something that's good for your body. Studies show that that helps your body to relax. So take some deep breaths. And then thirdly, the letter O, objectively look at your situation and empty yourself of self-control. Uh, you know, there, there could be more than meets the eye as to why a certain individual is acting the way they're acting. So don't think they're mad at you. They're, they could just be having a bad day at work or a bad day at school. Uh, maybe if you have a child, they didn't get up their whole nap in. We all can identify with that, right? So whatever the issue, just make an effort to think objectively. Don't explode in anger. And then the last letter, P, pray. That's what Jonah did. Hmm. But pray, immediately ask God to help you get a grip on your anger. Let me ask you to bow your head, every head bow, every eye close. You know, as we um, get ready to sing our last song, I just want to share with you this. All of us at times struggle with anger. And perhaps every now and then we even give in to unjustified anger. And I just want to let you know you wouldn't be the first so don't get all mad at yourself for giving into your anger. You wouldn't be the first Christ follower to give into your anger. But don't let anger or don't let something that you're harboring in your heart that could be years in the making cause you to miss out on the joy of following the Lord. You know, don't let anger be your downfall. Don't let it be a crux for you the way anger was a crux for Jonah. And I, and I wonder if there's somebody here or whether you're online listening to the message today. Is there a Jonah in your life? Are you the even that Jonah? And he used to be on fire for the Lord. You used to love his church, but you're letting things harbor within your heart. And that harboring of ill feelings have turned hardened and even yielded itself over to anger. I would urge you this morning to let that misplaced anger be given over to God. Give God that situation that causes you grief. Give God that person that just knows how to push your buttons that causes you grief, don't do anything to fan the flame of the anger in your heart that could be unjustified. Heavenly Father, I pray that as we do that right now, that you would help us to take anger that is unjustified and just give it to you. Take anger that doesn't glorify you and give it to you. And give us all the help we need to deal with the anger once and for all, that whenever it comes to, come to the surface in our life, Father, as the sailors cast Jonah into the depth of the seas, Lord, I pray that this morning we can cast our anger into the depth of your grace. And by the power of your grace, help us to move forward, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said amen.